Welcome to another edition of The Front Office. I'm Tony Lombardi. I'm joined by Brian McFarlane, and we're both with Russell Street Report. The Front Office is brought to you in part by the Victory Team at Keller Williams Gateway. The Victory Team offers a luxury service at an affordable price featuring 1.75% full-service listing fee. Check them out at victoryteamsells.com. Brian, how are you? Good. How are you today, Tony? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Hey, I wanted, before we get into some of the front office issues that we wanted to tackle today, I, I did want to ask you a little bit about your experience out there at on Monday Night Football when the Ravens had that miraculous comeback against the Indianapolis Colts. You know, I almost said Baltimore Colts just then. <laughs> the old, old habits die hard, huh? They sure do. So, so what was the experience like out there? Um, I thought it was actually a pretty good crowd. Um, the crowd who... It's, it was a little empty at the start. It, there were definitely more empty seats than the Kansas City game. I don't know if that's a function of Monday versus Sunday. Um, and I, for the most part, um, I guess once it got to, what, 25 to 9 when they kicked the field goal, um, I, I, people certainly seemed to leave then. Um, but for the most part, I, it was – I don't know. It was 70% full at the end of the game. So, you know, all things considered night game, game goes a little, you know, game goes a little longer. Um, and considering, you know, the, it wasn't full to start with, uh, I, I thought it was, a, it was a good crowd and certainly it, the crowd was into it. Um, you know, it, it is, it is a different feeling when you're, when the crowd is into it and the defense doesn't hold like we're used to in our history, but, um, but um yeah, so I, I thought overall, I thought it was I thought it was a pretty good crowd. Um, you know, I think night games will be interested to see. I mean, Sunday at one o'clock, finally, um, I think that should be. I mean, that place, there's no reason for that place not to be filled to the rafters. Yeah, that's really interesting that you bring up the the crowd. Seventy percent. I always I have a theory on that that the people that remain that seventy percent are probably the people that make the noise anyway. Yes, that's probably true. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, it, remi it reminded me a bit, and I talked to a friend of mine who made the mistake of leaving with seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And he said, you know, this is just like that Seattle game, although I, he said he stayed at the Seattle game back in 2003. If you remember that, the Ravens were getting blown out. Yeah, yeah. And they came back to win that game with some crazy plays, but – Wow, what a miraculous effort from Lamar Jackson. If anybody doubted his ability as a quarterback, not just a running quarterback, but as a, a passing quarterback, he certainly put those things to rest on Monday night. You would think, but based on Twitter, there's still a lot of non-believers out there, so go figure. Right. <laughs> right. So let's talk a little bit about the, the situation where the Ravens find themselves in today. You know, I want to talk touch on a little bit about the issues that the team's confronting in terms of personnel and, and then address the cap situation in terms of where they stand today. So let's talk about that first, Brian. Let's, let's talk about where the Ravens are cap-wise. Yeah, so as of today, um, they're about $1.8 million. Um, they had the two practice squad elevations. They're really about one point. Well, they were at, they're at 1.9 before Monday. Um, the two practice squad elevations are going to take about 70 grand out of that. So they're, they're at one point, a little over 1.8. Um, 
and you know there's not a lot of flexibility left they've they've already uh you know they've already redone stanley and uh they took a chunk of peters there's still little wiggle room there and that may be where they have to go if they go anywhere um they did humphrey they did tucker uh they did chuck clark and even andrew's extension they worked it so that it was able to save about 400 grand so I mean, they're looking for, I mean, they're really looking for the change under the cushions at this point, to be honest with you. So they've maxed out their credit cards, so to speak. And, and if they're, they're going to address some of the weaknesses on the team. And I think that those weaknesses were evident on Monday night. And we can talk about those. They really need to find street free agents that are willing to perhaps play for the veteran minimum with the hopes that what happens in 2021 will help them in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's others, other options. Um, you know, if you're looking at a running back, a younger running back on a team um, that's making, yeah, because remember if they, for instance, just using running back, if, if they, if they were to bring somebody in, then uh, we have to assume, at least I have to assume that Devonta Freeman goes Um He's making the veteran minimum, which would be if you bring in for basically for a third year guy, the way the the cap works, that's he, he's making a full salary, but he's only counting on the cap for equal to a third year guy. That's how they keep veterans, allow veterans to stay around and get paid less or count less on the cap, get paid regular, uh, but count less on the cap so that you're not cutting got veterans in, in, in uh, favor of young guys. So, you know, if they bring in, uh, Phil Lindsay's a name that's been uh, you know, bandied about. Um, it was in Denver last year and is in Houston this year. Uh, you know, they can get him on a relatively, um, you know, uh, he's, he's making the minimum. So, you know, that's actually, they might save a few dollars there, but um, so those kinds of guys. And yeah, so otherwise if you're bringing in a veteran, you're bringing him in for the veteran minimum. If you're trading for a guy, he's going to have to be a guy that's making close to the minimum uh, to fit him in. You're not, you know, the, you know, I obviously left tackles don't aren't, aren't available generally often either, but if you go back to the mid season trade of Eugene for G, Eugene Monroe, something like that's not happening. So a guy like Freeman, a guy that they signed after the first game, correct? Correct. Yes. So they have some flexibility there that they're not committed to him for the full season and they can just swap, swap out one veteran salary, minimum, minimum veteran salary for another minimum veteran salary. Correct. Because, um, so since he signed after the year, his full contract isn't guaranteed, but basically a quarter of his remaining contract was guaranteed. So he's just passed. Um, well, he's just played four games. So he would have signed basically signed for 16 weeks, 16 games, and he's played four, he's been in four of them. So he's he's reached his quarter. So um, so that's the maximum he could claim under the the um, veterans out. I'm sorry, the uh uh, oh, termination pay. Sorry, termination pay. So that's the that's what he could. That's the maximum he could ask for, and he's already earned it. So at this point, he, they can cut him with no cap implications whatsoever. Now, trading is even trickier because you're not swapping out one veteran minimum for another. Well, you probably are because if you if you brought in a running back, you're probably if you trade for running back, you're probably cutting Freeman. So. Um, so it, it, you're not you're not. So while you're not trading somebody out, it's not happening in the trade uh, in order to to get them on, you know, get them on the roster. And actually right now, I guess they're 
I think they're up to 52 now. Um, they might, they've been carrying 51 all year um, up until the, this past week. And I believe they're at 52. Um, when, who did they just, they just signed somebody to 53 yesterday. Um, and it's escaping me, but sorry, I'm a little hazy from <laughs> the end of the game and sleepness yeah. is from getting, <laughs> from getting, from getting home. Uh, so yeah, so they, they brought up somebody yesterday. So, um, so yeah, so I think, so that's, that's, you know, at this point they do have an open roster spot. So yes, it, it wouldn't be a one for one unless they just, if they, if they just fill that one roster spot, if they keep it at 52 and again, cut Freeman, then it would be but pretty much a wash. Now, if they wanted to restructure Peters and create some cap space there, how much cap space could they create? Yeah. So, so they redid him or uh, they, they, they did not do a full restructure with him back in March. They only did part of it. So that leaves them with a little wiggle room. Obviously they didn't want to, <laughs> um, which is why they didn't. But um, so if they redid him, right now that would create about 1.3 um which isn't a lot but that's the that's the one place they can get the most from now they could add void years so he's only under contract for this year or next so any so basically you swap bonus you swap base salary for bonus and the bonuses then um prorated over the length of the deal which for him is only two years um if they were to and they've avoided them so far. And I think it's, it's wise, but you got to do what you got to do at this point. Um, so they added void years to that, added three void years, which allows them to prorate that bonus over the maximum of five. Um, then they could get uh, a little over 2 million in cap savings. So um, they may have to do that. I mean, it seems crazy to do uh, and what that's, that would, and it's not going to put too much extra into next year. Uh, and probably put about what one point um, five into next year. The Ravens uh, were the Ravens were in decent cap shape, not not great cap shape coming into the season. But all these injuries, talk about the dollars that are invested in guys that just are not going to play again this year. Well, right. I mean, Peter's cap number is eleven. Um, so right there, that that's. Now you're replacing him with a guy, I mean, whoever you want to consider he's being replaced by on the 53. That's really the, it's the replacement value. So you're, but um, the Raven, I mean, if, when you compare them to other teams, they have 84 guys on their roster right now, which is I think second most in the league. Um, So uh, that right there uh, is, is a lot of players. And you look at, you know um, I mean, the chiefs have 72 which is which is the lowest and that would be your 53 man roster plus 16 um players on the practice squad so what does that leave them with three players on ir and the ravens have what close to 18 i think uh, uh, well i, I well, uh, boykin has already come off and um and hopefully bateman this week so at least that's coming down you know phillips has been designated to return so at least you know so at least there's some reinforcements coming um, but yeah, they're reducing that number, but you're still, which if they had a full roster, that would be helpful because somebody has to come off the roster when those guys would be activated. So they would have to come off to 53. So you would be reducing numbers, but because they, because they've been carrying one or two empty spots on the roster already, it, 
it, it's not it's it's just a wash because you're just at taking them off IR but adding them to the 53 without replacement. Right. Brian, I want to touch upon the Ravens' biggest needs through week five. But before I do, I want to mention that the front office is brought to you in part by Royal Farms. Royal Farms is now featuring any size coffee plus a breakfast sandwich for just $4. That's Royal Farms, real fresh, real fast. So let's talk about those needs. And, and I'm going to just mention three positions. And you can jump in and mention other positions if you think it's appropriate. But the three, not so much in order, but the three off, uh, positions I've written down our offensive line, middle linebacker, and corner. Now, I'll just touch briefly upon each one of those. Offensive line, I, I think that Patrick McCary has done an amazingly productive job. He's blown away any expectations I've had, so much so that if Ronnie Stanley does come back, I wonder if Villanueva is the starter at right tackle. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say he's not. I mean, he obviously struggled mightily there. He hasn't practiced there. Um, so I think he is the quote-unquote swing tackle. Uh, or maybe he's just, if, if Phillips comes back, maybe he is just the uh, backup left tackle and Phillips would be the backup right tackle if, if, if needed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, his, uh, you know, and he, he grades out well with a lot of the great in the scouting services. So, um you know, I, I mean, he did, you know, I mean, he, what's the one that, uh, you know, Denver, he played very well. And that's, you know, that that's Vaughn Miller. And that's, you know, that's him generally coming off of that side. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's uh, you get no complaints there. I mean, that was a that was a, a fine considering, you know, he struggled. You figure you're struggling. You take your you're replacing him as your struggling center. And, oh, he's got to play right tackle now. But, you know, it's been wonderful. Yeah, I think that, and I forgot this too, that when he was in college, that's where he played at right tackle. So right. that's the more natural position for him. They kind of took a right tackle and made him play guard and center. Well, and you see a lot of that because you have the athleticism of the, the guy playing outside, but he Correct. You, you generally don't think he's going to have that athleticism at this level uh, and you move him in and, and uh, center, obviously, I mean, there's a, there's been there've been more than a few guys that have gone from college tackles to centers and become all pros. So uh, but for whatever reason, it didn't it didn't really work out that way for him. And when you look beyond, let's say Ronnie Stanley, let's play devil's advocate here mm -hmm. and say that he's not going to return in 2021. That makes your mm -hmm. swing tackle a guy that bounces back and forth from the practice squad, Andre Smith. And that is horrifying to me watching him play. He's just. He, I've, I've written on Russell Street Report that I don't know that he's much different than a 50-gallon trash can. The only difference I see is that he's got arms and trash can does not. But he does. He moves horribly. He, with him in le a left tackle, that's horrifying. And I thought that maybe Adrian Ely would some at some point get a chance to be elevated to the 53, only because Smith is that bad. But now he's had issues with performance-enhancing substances. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And at this point with with Andre Smith, he has used up his uh, other than a, a COVID. He is because that's unlimited, but he has used up his two uh, elevations. He's been elevated four times, actually, two times with the COVID and, and two times uh, as a standard elevation. But he only gets the two standard elevations right now. Obviously, Ferguson came off of uh, off of the um, 
COVID list. So they don't have any, thankfully don't have anybody on COVID list anymore, but that would be the only way he could be elevated um, from the practice squad. Uh, so at, at this point, so it's either add him to the 53 or you, you, you bring somebody else up. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, it, it would seemingly be setting up for Ely time perhaps. Right. Now I, I think that, the Ravens may have discovered something in that Colts game to help their offensive line. And that is to run no huddle and wear out the, the opposing defense. So maybe they'll use that proactively instead of reactively, just because they had no choice that, other than to run no huddle. So we'll right. see what happens against the chargers, but I want to shift our attention towards middle linebacker and Patrick queen has been a huge disappointment. And I didn't think Brian that I would miss LJ Ford as much as I do, but I'm sure missing him right now. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, you know, I, the, the you know the book on Queen was he was a quick learner and he didn't make the same mistake twice and and all of that. Well, that seems to have gone out the window this year. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, it's uh, it's not a pretty picture. Um, and Harrison isn't playing much better if if he is at all. So um, you know, the board got a lot of um, a lot of uh, snaps this past week, and I was kind of surprised. Um, that um, they did not well, and I guess they were they were limited more limited this time because of the COVID uh, because of COVID uh, no more COVID call ups. But I was kind of surprised that they they did not bring Vines up. Um, but again, they were they were also adding an extra wide receiver too. So when they added Boykin, so um, yeah, it's and I don't you know I don't know. I mean they they were lucky when they the last time when they had issues and they were able to bring Vines and Ford in, but. It uh, doesn't seem like Bynes is what he was then. And obviously Fort's uh, on IR and, um, you know, he certainly seemed to be the one guy that could cover much better. Yeah. I, I know that Bynes has issues with covering, but at least he'll stick his nose in the right places in the, in support of the running uh, defense. But, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little tired of seeing Patrick Queen 15 yards downfield next to a guard that's been pushing. Yeah. Back. So, that's getting a yeah. little close. Now, another thing that was kind of exposed in, in that Colts game, Brian, is Anthony Averett. Up at, up into that up till that game, he's looked pretty good. He's played decently, and he's been in the right places at the right time. But he looked like he was in all the wrong places at the right time for the Colts offense. And you know, I, I know that the Ravens don't have much flexibility there. Hopefully, Deshaun Elliott comes back at safety, which allows Wink to do a little bit. A, a few different things with uh, Jimmy Smith. So maybe right. he can protect the boundary if, if Averett still struggles like he did, but I, I'm just hoping that that was a blip on the radar. Yeah. I mean, certainly um, he has played very well, so you have to hope so. And you just hope that he's, you know, the kind of guy that can shake it off and um, you know, it doesn't, you know, now if he has another bad outing, you know, it did seem like there were, you know, there were thoughts that in the past that he, you know, his confidence would wane. So hopefully this one game won't, but geez, I mean, look what he's going up against this week. I mean, you've got Keenan Allen and, and Mike Williams and, uh, you know, uh, and obviously Herbert is, is throwing as well as any quarterback out there right now. So it's not, not a game to get, you know, to get healthy on, so to speak, from the confidence standpoint. Right. Last question for you, Brian, this is a big one. And heading into this season, I just thought that it was, it was best for the Ravens to see how Lamar Jackson improves as a passer before making him the second highest paid player in the game. I think that over the course of these five games without really 
a stout rushing attack and without really a great or even a, a good offensive line, he's shown that he's progressed as a passer and it's come time. They're going to pay that man. But I'm wondering with the cap situation as it is today, is it even possible for them to pay him in 2021? It would have to be, um, it's probably unlikely um, because they can't, I mean, they have to, uh, obviously as injuries have happened, we're only five games into 17. So um, they have to, they, they have to keep reserve money for, for more injuries. Um, they have to um, keep money for practice squad elevations. You know, every week you're looking at, you know, um, 60 to 70 grand, which doesn't seem like a lot, but when you only, when you have less than 2 million that, you know, uh, extrapolate that over 13 more games. And, you know, you're looking at, you know, you're looking at almost a million dollars right there. Um, so, um, you know, so uh, short of, you know, redoing Peters, um, there's a couple other options they could, I mean, it's kind of weird when you would be redoing contracts just to get 700 grand. Um, but that's kind of where they are. So when it comes to Lamar, I thought Lamar would get the contract first and they would hold off with Andrews um, because they would have the tight end um, franchise tag in their pocket in, in February, March next year, which, you know, doesn't always work out, but it does give you some leverage. He will, you know, he's not going to hit the market. And to be honest with you, the, the, uh, the franchise tag for tight ends is, is, is one of the more reasonable ones. So, um, so, you know, but here we, but that happened. And once that happened, I mean, that really, um, you know, and even though it created a little space, it, it didn't, you know, it, it just was one more pushing that, pushing Lamar further away. And, you know, I mean, at least listening to him, he doesn't seem real concerned about it. Maybe he was thinking, I want to show him one more year, um, you know, so they could get themselves into somewhat of a Flacco situation, but at least Lamar's not a full free agent next year like Flacco was when he won the Super Bowl. So, I mean, they would have to really restructure um, and have to, you know, they would need at least an extra million to two to give him some kind of reasonable contract, which would mean giving him a, you know, eight to $10 million bonus this year uh, and then giving him the, you know, 40 to $50 million bonus, you know, next March. So, you know, that's kind of what they did with Peters. He got a kind of a small bonus and because he, he signed in December, granted. So it was, you know, it was only a couple months away. So it's a couple more months in this case. So, uh, but that's just, that's one of those things that complicates it because it becomes a trickier issue than kind of your straight contract in March or April or May or June when, you know, it's easier to figure out what these numbers mean down the road. So um, when he doesn't have an agent, so, you know, it's one of those things, you know, agents understand, okay, you don't have much cap space. we got to be real creative here. Um, how much Lamar understands of that. And then maybe he's, maybe he's gotten himself well-versed. I don't know. Um, but at this point, I think that's going to be, you know, that's decision for February, March next year. Well, they're gonna, you're going to hear it a lot, Brian, as he continues to perform at the level he has. Pay the man, but we just heard why the Ravens probably can't in 2021. You've been listening to The Front Office with Russell Street Report. Thanks for listening in, folks. <laughs>